You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those people who lived well, who died well, and bring to each of us the legacy of those who have gone before us. They bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives so that we can uh, not have to reinvent every single wheel in our life, that we can understand that certain things done in a good way work really well for us as humans here on this planet. And other things, though they seem like a good idea, are really in the end not worth it. And so we give thanks to those people, those beautiful souls who incarnated as people and lived lives here on this earth meeting the challenges of their day, of their time, and who are there in our line, giving to us the wisdom of their lives, the love of their lives, and the connection of everything that they learned through their entire lifetime. And we give thanks to these ancestors for gathering around us and helping us to be strong in what it is that our time asks of us, helping us to be wise and to learn from our own mistakes in our life, but helping us to open up our hearts to connect with those ancestors who have gone before and perhaps learn without having to make the mistakes ourselves. Let us go forward in a way that is different where it needs to be. Let us innovate and be creative as only the living can be. And let us do what our time asks of us with the help of the ancestors behind us so that we can feel the pull of descendants and the song of those who are coming and rise to the challenge to create a world they would be honored to inherit from us. So we give thanks to the ancestors for their ever-present help in this effort. And with the ancestors gathering round, each one of you, around me, in all these many places we are, around this huge planet, we reach out and give thanks to the ancestors that are not human. Those ancestors who are an aspect of life here on earth that existed long before they were humans and will likely be here long after. And we give thanks to those ancestors for dreaming us. And out beyond, we give thanks to the earth as the ancestor, the sun, the moon, the galaxies, the cosmos, all the way to the beginning, to that first dreamer. We give thanks to all of these ancestors for giving us life and helping us to remember to not get so attached to being a human and allowing that to limit us in our sense of our place in this greater fabric of life. Let our humanness be the power that we bring to the world, not the limitation that keeps us doing from doing what is right and true. So we give thanks to all of our ancestors and all of their many forms for gathering around us here today and helping us to feel the rich and diverse and abundant support and strength and love and wisdom that is around all of us in every moment of every day. And so with these concentric circles of help gathering around us, let us focus our awareness in drawing it into our mind from our mind into our heart. 
And with a nice deep breath and a nice exhale from our heart down into our belly. And from our belly, let us reach even further down and touch the earth, the being, the great mother, Pachamama. And we touch the earth and we give thanks for life, for this place that we walk the walk of our journey, whatever that might be, for this experience of so much richness and diversity, so much beauty here in the Northern Hemisphere. Most of us are moving through springtime and it is, as it is every year, unbelievable in the energy that bursts forth, reminding us, every one of us, about the energy of spring, of renewal, and that expression, that that not hesitating to blossom in the world. We give such gratitude to the earth for the cycling of the seasons and the wonder and the wisdom inherent in all the different ecosystems and the way that the presence of this earth teaches us as humans if we'll simply slow down and remember how to listen. Remember how to open our hearts and to feel this great, great generosity that rises out of this dreaming that is our home, our earth. So we give thanks to the earth, such gratitude for this day, gratitude for the miracle of life, and reach down through all the layers of the earth to the very center of the earth and connect our energy there because it is our responsibility as human beings to do this in every day, to ground ourselves to the center of the earth and to connect and to draw this earth energy up, drawing up this energy that begins in that place of darkness and stillness and solitude and rises up to bring restoration and rejuvenation and replenishment to restore us. And we draw this energy up and we ask this energy to help us learn how to be grounded, how to create a sense of hearth and home in our lives no matter our circumstances, and to do so in a way that is open to the other, that we can no longer get our sense of safety from simply closing and locking the doors because we close and lock the doors of our heart and our mind when we do so. So let us create a sense of safety in the world that comes from living in a good way and opening ourselves to connect with others and to inspire them to live in a good way with us. And so we open to the diversity around us, to the beauty around us, and we ask the energy of the earth to help us to remember how to connect how to open beyond the connection, which is somewhat selfish, into the interconnection of things and begin to feel the interdependent energy that is the deep, deep movement of Aini here in the natural world. And help us to feel this energy and eventually, perhaps in this moment, in this day, to come into a sense of our oneness with all things. And from that, let us take right relationship with ourselves. Not from the media, not from our family stories, not from all the other crazy things that run around in circles in our mind. But let us take right relationship with ourself from our place in the great oneness of all things. Our knowing that we are connected, we are one, and in that We are innately divine, as is everything else. And so let us take right relationship from that and let that bring us into right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the invisible world. Let the earth teach us how to be here, manifest in form, in a good way. And we draw the energy of the earth up 
up from the bellies into the hearts and the hearts into the minds and we rise up with the energy of the earth all the way through the sky whatever weather it holds for you in this moment out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos reaching through all the wonders of the cosmos all the great mysteries there all the way out to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call that energy call out to it see yourself in it and it within you reach the earth energy to the sky energy touch the sky energy and draw it down drawing it down into yourself into this day into these proceedings drawing in this essence energy of blessing of protection and generosity the energy of devotion and commitment inspiration and illumination and that ability in our life to notice that there are mentors and champions here in our lives and to notice those moments we are called to be the mentor or the champion for another. And as we draw this energy in, let it come in through our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and we send it all the way down to the center of the earth and allow ourselves to be for this moment aware of ourselves as this place that these two great energies, the earth and sky, yin and yang, come together. These two great legendary lovers come together in us to create a wholeness. And out of that wholeness, that oneness, let the heart be awakened. Let the spirit of the heart be awakened by these two great lovers that express out this big love into the world. Let the heart awaken and do what it does, what it's meant, what it's born to do in this life, which is to be this crucible of transformation that draws up the fiery passions of the belly so that you know the things that move you that you have passion for, that you care about in life, that life wouldn't be worth living if it didn't exist. You draw that knowing up out of your guts into your heart and draw down from your mind this crystal clarity about the world and reality and how it is that we can be here in a good way. And we draw this energy down into our heart. And we let these two energies, very different in their own nature, dance this passionate and wild tango in our heart. And so what comes from that dynamic tension is this memory, it sparks the memory of why you are here. What have you come to do? What gifts do you bring to the world? And find in that same heart, because it is a human heart, the courage to do something, large or small, to bring those gifts into the world. Something every day so that you are living the truth of why you are here. And so with all this support around us, above, below, the helping spirits, the ancestors, all this energy around us, we give great gratitude for the help that we have to be the men and the women that we've come here to be. And today, I would like to give great thanks to each of you because we officially did it yet again. Last year, 2012, was the first year we became a truly 100% listener-supported radio show. And now, in 2013, we have succeeded in doing the same thing again this year. Uh, This show began in 2009. There has been a show every Tuesday, every week, since January 2009. That's a lot of shows. And it took four years to get to a place where we were listener-supported. And I'm just very, very, very grateful and happy to report to you all um, that we've done it again. So thank you for helping me uh, to do that for yet another year. 
I was hoping that we could generate surplus this year so that I could offer a Why Shamanism Now scholarship to the cycle training, uh, to someone who really, really wanted to take that next step of study and to move deeper into the cycle of transformation teachings. But 2013 was not the year. I still hold that vision. Um, I'm just happy that this year we, we did pay all the bills. And we got the earlier shows with the hideous NASCAR ads edited out and a whole lot of – and a new website for the radio show. So thank you, everyone. So I also want to thank those of you who discovered that you can set up monthly donation in your own PayPal account and then just let PayPal mindlessly um, – make whatever donation you decide, uh, large or small, come into Why Shamanism now on a monthly basis. I appreciate that because it does begin uh, to create this solid base of support for the show um, since, of course, the bills for the show do come in monthly without fail as well. <laughs> so, so for those of you that don't know what the heck I'm talking about because you just downloaded the show from iTunes and that's all you do is download from iTunes and listen, Why Shamanism now is listener-supported programming. And it has its own website. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com and find the show's archive there for free as well. And you can also find on the site a support button. If you click on that support button, you can donate any amount, um, large or small, in any currency, from any country. Um, We take it all. We're happy for every single bit of it. It all goes to keeping the show on the air. Um, And each year, you know, we we just get by. But uh, we are doing it, and I'm deeply grateful to all of you for that support. We are live today, and if you have questions about today's show topic, please call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or um, you can just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. With your questions for the show, you can do this now or in the future. Um, Much of the shows coming up are being uh, generated by your questions um, or your show ideas. So I thank you all for your engagement in the teachings. And while my time doesn't really get covered in any financial way, the important thing the show does is it keeps the helping spirits happy. That the show happened at a period in time when the cycle teachings were kind of dying off or going dormant and the helping spirits that gave me the cycle teachings were really frustrated trying to get the teachings out into the world and so the radio show has become another vector another uh, way for the teachings of this this group of spirits to move out into the world and to help us understand how to use ancient shamanic skills to engage in our contemporary time and to do what we've been called into this time on the planet to do, which is to be the new people who write a truly new story for the new world. And, and I understand this myself now even better, but mostly thank you for listening Thank you for taking the teachings and doing things with them. Thank you for working with them and trying to break them because it makes them stronger. And this is all the helping spirits are really asking for is that we engage. And so thank you for being the audience out there that gives the show a reason for existing, that allows the helping spirits to move this, this, these teachings out in the world in another way. And 
the beauty of having found this and keeping the helping spirits happy is that the cycle teachings themselves have found a rebirth. Um, and I invite those of you that are called to these teachings, and if you listen to the radio show, you are called to these teachings, to consider taking it the next step and joining me this year in Massive Illusion and really enter into the teachings and experiencing them at a level that we can't through podcasts and winging it in our own lives. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's something that happens when we gather, when we are together face to face and we move into ritual and ceremony and laughter and sharing meals and all of the things that we do when we go into retreat and um, learn these teachings at the next level. So I invite you all. Uh, registration is available at the lastmaskcenter.org site in August because that's when the um, cycle begins again. It begins each year, but it begins this year um, in August. So what's our topic today, you might be asking, as I ramble on here in the first half of the show. Our, te- our topic today is ancestral healing and the spirits of the land. So um, speaking of the cycle, the fourth year is the year that we look deeply into working with the ancestors and working with the land and um, these kinds of energies in the cycle. And my, my current fourth year group just completed the second half of the fourth year. And what, what really came strongly out of that work was this experiencing how important tending death is, how, 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 to, no, how important tending death properly is as an act of living that how we relate to the dead to death but mostly with the dead and engaging in right relationship with our ancestors um, is a critically important part of living particularly if you presume to be living shamanically Okay, so, so last weekend, this small group of students um, came to really, truly understand this as they were completing their fourth year. And um, an aspect of the second half of the fourth year is we've, in the first half, we've done ancestral healing work. So we've gone into our own ancestral lines and cleared the unresolved energy of the dead that, it, that is creating um, blockage for us in moving forward in our own soul's purpose. And so in, in that effort, there's usually anywhere from 8 to 16 maybe ancestors who are the source of these problems that are cleared in and then exponentially more because then it's every other ancestor that got stuck in this pattern between when this pattern began and the living. So it's hundreds. It's literally hundreds of an- ancestors who are cleared from being stuck in this place between the living where they don't belong any longer since they're not alive and the land of the dead. And so this is, this is what the issue of ancestral healing is really about is how, because generally speaking, humanity hasn't tended the dead very well for thousands of years is there's a lot of dead people just sticking around and it's a problem. It's a big problem. And so, so what we're doing, one of the things we do in the fourth year is learn how to use our shamanic skills to clear um, the ancestors that are stuck in our own ancestral line. And we work on that together. Now, the second half of that, though, is so you have these ancestors who are, in a sense, indebted to us because we freed them from issues they were unwilling to resolve fully in their own lives. And so we have done them a great service 
We have cleared the way for them to cross over. They're in the land of the dead, fat and happy in the land of the dead. Okay. But the next step of that process, if we're living shamanically, is to call them back as true ancestral helping spirits. Okay, so keep that in mind. Now, in the bigger picture, we all have true ancestral helping spirits because humanity tended the death tended death and the dead really well from the beginning of humanity until a few thousand years ago. So we all have bushels of fabulous ancestral helping spirits and that all they're waiting is for us to establish a connection with them and begin to to work with them intentionally. And in, and in my teaching, we create um, – each individual person creates an ancestral shrine as the sort of the focal point to focus this, this ongoing and developing conversation with your own ancestral helping spirits. And the idea is, of course, to keep gathering, to, to, to repair this, this gap in time for most of us, particularly as Westerners here in America, is this gap between when our ancestors tended the dead and had a relationship with their own ancestors – and when that stopped, and now we're sort of jumping in in the middle again. And so each person creates an ancestral shrine and begins to create the power objects for the ancestors on the shrine. So because we have ancestral helping spirits, we all do. And so we begin that relationship and we repair that relationship, which basically means we step up to do that. Now, the next step of it is what I was just beginning to describe is now we begin the repair. We begin to clear the way for the ancestors that are stuck and then complete that process by inviting them to come back now that they've connected once again with the big, the big oneness and they have perspective and now they have wisdom to share about their life. We invite them to come back, and so we create power objects that they can come back into. We have a big fire, and we have a whole um, ritual with the fire as the conduit to the ancestors to call out to them and sincerely from our hearts ask them to come back to help us. Um, in a sense, they owe us because we freed them in the first place, and we're asking them to come back and to and to keep that energetic exchange cycling and to come back into these wonderful power objects we've made for them, to take up residence not only in the object, but then the object takes up residence in the ancestral shrine. And so it becomes this process initially of just repairing the relationship between the living – and they're already ancestral helping spirits. And then the next part of that process is the repair of clearing the stuck, unresolved ancestral energies, helping them to cross over and then calling them back into their power objects so they can function. So we're calling them into service as ancestral helping spirits because they can't function as ancestral helping spirits until they have crossed over, connected with the big oneness, and have perspective on their life. They're not any smarter dead than they were living until they've made that journey and get that, that holistic perspective on the ramifications of the choices they made in their life. It's just like you and your own past lives. I gain from my past life because the person that I was died and crossed over, connected with the oneness, has a sense of scope and, 
and context for all those decisions in that life and incarnates again in my life with that bringing that wisdom and perspective and context with it so it's the same ideas we don't just want dead people that aren't any smarter dead than they were living helping us because they're not helpful they basically just inspire us to make the same stupid mistakes over again and that's how we get the, this family lineage of um, alcoholism and abuse and denial of true gifts and you know all of these different things we see being handed down to the families are handed down because someone began that pattern and it's just picked up momentum generation after generation and it hits you and begins to overwhelm your life. Um, so – this, this, is, this is a big piece of contemporary shamanism. It's not a big piece of traditional shamanism because in traditional shamanism, you would tend the dead in such a way that you didn't create this problem. But we have this problem. This, this, is, this is part of the nature of being born into this time is this problem of dead stuck between the, the realm of the living and the dead. And so this is a big issue because the other thing I want to talk about today because the humans are not our only ancestors. These patterns get stuck not only in, in this, this sort of human realm, but they get embedded in the earth. And different places begin to take on the stories of the humans that lived there in positive ways, but also in negative ways. And so we are in relationship not only with our human ancestors and their unresolved patterns – but also how the humanity's unresolved patterns affect the earth, the fertility of the earth, the robustness of life in different parts of the world, and, and potentially on the other side of that equation, propagating bad behavior, propagating bad in the sense of it's not life-affirming, it's harmful. I mean, not everything that's destructive is necessarily bad because there's a certain aspect of destruction that happens so life can begin again. But there's also mindless destruction, senseless destruction. Humans are exquisite at these things. Um, and so the point of this is it's not just about us and our ancestors and humans behaving badly. It's about how our energy gets embedded in the earth, how – the blood of soldiers who lay dying, bleeding out into the earth, leave an imprint there, leave patterns of energy there. And how earth that has been a battlefield that is not cleansed after the battle is that the humans don't do the work to clean their mess up essentially and energetically after the battle becomes a battlefield again. You know, whether, it, whether it's ranchers and um, – Indigenous people fighting over the land, whether it's farmers and frackers, you know, whatever it is, people keep fighting. They keep, there keeps being war on the land. And so this is, this is this next piece of understanding ancestral healing. It's not just about us wanting to get rid of child abuse and alcoholism. It's about all of us wanting to clean up our mess so that the earth is free to be the earth again, to be abundant, to be fruitful to engage with us in the, in the joy and the, the beauty and the diversity and, frankly, the food that is here to offer us if we can simply live in good relationship with it. So 
Anyway, so this is very strongly on my mind for two reasons. One, because my students were just here doing this work in my backyard at the fire pit with my whole shaman hut turned into an ancestral shrine. And we've got all the ancestral helping spirits in there. And then all of these new ancestral helping spirits were called in. And and in kind of the beautiful pieces, everybody was instructed to write a love song to sing to their new ancestral helping spirits. And, um, they all, it, they were all to the same tune, but everybody's song was different. And so every, every single person who participated in the retreat has a unique love song to sit at their own ancestral shrine and sing their love, literally sing their love into their ancestral lines. It's, it's unbelievably beautiful. And I guess the part of the story that I forgot to ask, uh, tell, sorry, <laughs> losing my English here. So we do the fire, we call the ancestors in, call them back, ask them to take their place in these power objects. We, we sing to them and we, when we go to bed and we wake up in the morning at dawn and we feed them and we welcome them and we introduce them to the village um, and uh, laugh and sing and bring them to the ancestors that are already in the ancestral shrine. And we introduce them to, to the, already ancestral helping spirits and we sing them the love songs and we wait to to see if if the new ancestral helping spirits are going to be accepted by the already ancestral helping spirits so as we're doing all of this these people that have never really necessarily thought about any of this until now until this fourth year of this training they start to feel this energy that's a bit like springtime energy but it's not coming out of the earth. It's not coming out of the plants. It's not, it's not coming out of the environment. It's actually coming out of the ancestral realm. It's coming out of the ancestral helping spirit realm. So we could say it's coming out of the ancestral shrine. But the truth of the matter is it's coming out of the everywhere. Because the ancestors, those who are already helping spirits, are rejoicing. And this is what the people... Felt as we as we talked about what we were doing is that they felt for the first time. I mean, these people have been tending their own ancestral shrine for a while, but they felt for the first time the joyful celebration of the ancestral helping spirits. Not only that we were engaging with them, but that that through our efforts to heal and then call back these new ancestral helping spirits, that their brothers, their sisters, their children, their mothers, their fathers, their relations were being brought into that place where they belong, which is as ancestral helping spirits. And that there was this great rejoicing on the helping spirit side of the equation that was, that was even more profound than our rejoicing on our side that we were going to, you know, had our helping spirits coming back. And so it was a big party. It was actually a great big party and um, kind of rolled over eventually into the breakfast and the toasting and, and the excitement of these ancestor, ancestral helping spirits coming back, being accepted by those who are already helping spirits, and the gifts that now come into our life. Because one of the things about these helping spirits we've been working with, the ancestors we cleared and we're calling back, is we're much more profoundly aware and tuned in to the gifts that come out of the hardship of this person's life since we were in there helping them clean that up. And so, so there's this, this 
enormous sense of celebration and then this feeling after the celebration of this kind of background clicking in of, of this circle finally coming back into place of the ancestors through the living to the descendants and this sense that we were repairing a very important wheel of life that has been set asunder through humans' actions and inactions. And so I really can't do it justice. I can't, I can't really tell you the story in a way that can convey through the podcast ethers the profound awareness. It was as if the earth moved. Or I should say as if the energy that is underneath everything, the energy that is behind everything, the energy that is not apparent, the real energies. It's as if they moved. That, that some great gear that is meant to be moving was realigned and is moving more easily in its place. It was, it was very profound uh, relative to all the other profound stuff that happens in the cycle to, to write the relationship with the ancestors and to position ourselves ever better to do what is necessary for the descendants. Okay, so, so the issue here is that we've inherited this old world and the stories of the old world are based on a great big lie, the lie of separation and, and, and boatloads of misconception about things. And that these stories profoundly affect our engagement, the way we engage with the dreaming because we the dreaming is energetic and we engage in it in our mind, in our spirit, in our dreams, in the stories we tell, in the ongoing repetition of language in our head, all of these ways. So, so let's review then what's important to remember here. That is in many other shows um, of why shamanism now. So the beginning, you know, in the time before time, in the place before there was space, um, in existence that was without form that we cannot possibly understand, there was something we can only call nothing. And nothingness dreamt for reasons we can't possibly understand. And out of that dream, out of, out of that song, out of that whatever we want to call it, it's some sort of expression, right? Out of that art came form. First in Grandfather Fire, Grandmother Ice. Or in the Taoist version of it, first there was love that manifest as chi, which took shape as yin and yang. Yin and yang aspects of chi. So in the shamanic world, we have Grandfather Fire, Grandmother Ice. And they dream. Everything born of the dream is a dreamer. So in other words... Everything is being manifest by the dream and everything manifest by the dream continues to dream that which is coming. So the dream is constantly manifesting reality for better or for worse. And so the origin is not a creator. The origin isn't anything remotely resembling a human, right? The, the, the origin is utterly non-human non-creator based it is this original energy 
And my Qigong master says the original energy is love, translating into qi and into yin and yang and then into 10,000 things. The Taoist version of the same story, of this shamanic story of creation, which is pretty big bangish, if you ask me. So, everything comes of this dream, and everything that came of the dream is also a dream or dreaming. So, there is this unimaginably long time of cosmic dreaming, you know, from we just have fire and ice, until we begin to get to the complexity of galaxies dreaming of solar systems. And solar systems that are dreaming of planets and planets that are dreaming of life in some form. And so it's an unimaginably long time of dreaming before we get our earth. And all of these beings, manifestations in this dreaming are all our ancestors. They are all part of the dream. So it's not simplistic like the aliens are our ancestors, we came from the stars. It's saying that everything is our ancestor. We are of everything and everything is of us. But mostly we are of everything because it begins simply and continues to get more and more diverse. So eventually, in this unimaginably long periods of dreaming, you get the planet. You get our planet, for example, which is dreaming of life. And then you get an, another unimaginably long time of dreaming where you have, you know, finally you have oceans and a continent, air and weather. And then you have the continent dreaming and the continent begins to move into the continents that we now understand on the planet. Um, but of course, there was movement and dreaming in that and still no humans. And still, this is all our ancestors. These are all our ancestors. And so eventually, you get to life as we know it and talk about it, little single-cell guys, um, and then bugs and birds and plants and stones and lichens and animals and elegant intercommunicating ecosystems and still no humans. Right? But damn, we had this amazing diverse, beautiful ancestors. Still no humans here yet in the dream, but oh, the ancestors that we come from. The beauty, the diversity, the creativity, the cooperation, the unbelievable movement and growth and expression of life on this earth. And then finally, somewhere, that life, which is also our ancestors, dreams of humans. And our human ancestors begin to emerge. And they dream. And here we are. And we're dreaming. And so when we talk about ancestors in a shamanic context, we're talking about everything. And what we need to understand as humans is how when we don't do what is necessary to tend death, And make sure our energy keeps cycling and recycling properly as everything else does. Then we begin to muck up that cycling and recycling for all of our ancestors, human and non-human. So we are currently at the end of a long, long line of dreamers. And we're still dreaming this great shared dream of life. And so when I'm talking about ancestors, 
I'm talking about doing what we, the living humans, need to do to take our place in this very, very long line of dreamers dreaming this dream for all life. I'm not talking about clearing your ancestors' issues around money so you can be wealthy now and for the generations to come. That's too small. It's too old world, right? I'm talking about how we feel in our hearts, how we feel that original dreaming, and we trust our growing sense of that the reality we are experiencing of Greek reality in quotes, you know, that the reality we are experiencing of greed and corruption and taking advantage of everything around us as a valid, desperate act of survival. We're starting to sense that that's not necessarily real, that it's based on the assumption of separation and that the separation itself is a big lie. So when I'm talking about ancestral healing, I'm talking about how we call on our most ancient ancestral helping spirits to see beyond our anthropocentric blindness to the lie that has made this way into the story, this old story, and how we can now live as the storytellers of our time. It is our job to reweave and retell the story. And that is nearly impossible to do if the unresolved dead in your family line keep whispering the old stories in your ear, constantly reinforcing your fears and your depressions and your insecurities and you're sure that you're not worthy. That for us to step up here and be the storytellers of our time, to reweave and retell the story, in other words, to start to use our growing shamanic skills in an important way, we must use them to clear the ancestors, the unresolved ancestors. So just as our recent human ancestors had to realize that the sun does not revolve around the earth, it was a big deal to those people. We, current time, Contemporary humans need to realize that life does not resolve, revolve around us. We are not the center of the universe. We are not the center of life on earth even. The dream is not about humans. The dream is about life. And right now, humans as a family are not dreaming a dream of life. We're doing some really, really painfully stupid things right now. And we could potentially end it all for everyone. But we have the capacity, if we can awaken our relationship with our true ancestral helping spirits, number one. And then we can heal and create ancestral helping spirits out of those stuck ancestors. We will have what it takes to do what needs to be done here, to change our input into the dreaming so that we stop this anthropocentric dreaming with us in the center of everything at all cost, that we stop that story and we begin to dream again with all life. We dream again as part of the original dreamers. The origin energy of love feeding into our dreams, we begin to dream again the dream of all life and understand how to be humans and take our place in this great dream. 
anthropocentrism is the belief that human beings are central or the most significant species on the planet. And I do understand there are religions that tell you that is true. They are wrong. They are lying to you. Because when we think that way, we make bad decisions for all life. And bad decisions for all life on this earth are bad decisions for humanity. Anthropocentrism is also the assessment of reality through an exclusively human perspective. The term can be used interchangeably with humanocentrism. And some refer to this concept as human supremacy. If you have political or social ideas that support you in believing this, they are lies. Human beings do not do well thinking they are the center of everything. We make very, very unwise choices. But since a healthy, sustainable environment is obviously necessary for human life, a conscious thinking person, any conscious thinking person, would quickly get off the shallow anthropocentrism train barreling off through the landscape of separation to its own destruction and get on the train called what's best for all life is best for humans. So for us to truly do this, to get off the old train and on to this new one, we, to truly write a new story, we, the writers, have to be willing to change. And to change this we must clear the energy of the unresolved ancestors if we are ever going to return to our own senses of what is right and true. So this brings me to Colorado. I surprised you there, didn't I? Ha, you didn't know I was going to Colorado today. So in Colorado, over the last two years, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pretty big community, um, shamanic community in Colorado. People that know how to journey and want to do things with their shamanic skills, right? Big group of people. So three times over the last couple of years, um, people have been excited to do the ancestral healing training that I offer. It's just a weekend training. And they've asked their peeps, you want to do this? And everybody's, yeah, woo, let's do it. And so they asked me to come. We set a date. They set everything up. Everybody says, yeah, sure. And they start to pay their deposits and then everybody falls away. Now, happening once, that could be, I don't know, bad timing. Happening twice, we need to take notice. Happening a third time, which is right now in April. This is happening a third time in Colorado. You have to say, hmm, this is a pattern. And so we did a little journeying to look into the pattern. And I suggested that uh, the couple who, who are sponsoring the class this time have done the training with me here in Portland. And I said, well, why don't you invite those people who are invested in the class, which is not really enough for the class, but there are people that do want it. They are the stakeholders in the class happening. Why don't you all engage in having them support you in using the ancestral healing technique itself to investigate what is going on that is creating the dissonance that is keeping this class from happening where there are people who do want it to happen. I mean, there's a huge bunch of people that are interested. They want it to happen and yet interference occurs and they can't get themselves to the class. And this has happened three times. And so 
so they did this. They, this sounded right, and so they did this. Because the other thing that's going on in Colorado, if you haven't noticed lately, is there's some serious weird violence going on there. I don't mean weird in a judgmental way, but just these sort of random massacres, random things happening here and there in Colorado, which is an enormously beautiful place. For those of you that have never been there, it's breathtakingly beautiful. There's no reason in the world... Anybody should be shooting anybody in this place because it's gorgeous. I mean, why would you not just settle into the inspiring beauty of nature and just be part of that oneness? But instead, you got people shooting people at movies and things like that. Okay, so what's up? What is going on? What's the deal? I mean, there's many things going on in Colorado as there are anywhere else. But in this particular case, um, the people looked into this. So they journeyed in to do the healing and they found out that the ancestor that needed the healing was not so much a person as it was the land itself, that the land had begun to carry a pattern that had been created by a person long ago. And that, 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 so then the people walking on the land were being influenced by the pattern. So the, the, and the intention of this journey in particular was to find out what energy was creating this dissonance um, that was uh, supporting these current acts of violence in Colorado, which we'd already identified in diagnostic journeys as being the same energy that was bumping out the ancestral healing class. Because there's this, this, this um, principle, I guess, for lack of a better word, that people in who are paying attention to their shamanic work have noticed, which is often people resist the shamanic healing that is needed. So that, so the very thing that is needed to solve the problem ends up being resisted by the people needing it. Um, it's, it's pretty common actually. In other words, people don't want to take their medicine because medicine would mean to take your medicine would mean to change. And so there's this sort of resistance that fl- that rears up. Um, so so the diagnostic journey had said that the, the the same energy that's rearing people up and getting them to not register for the class they actually want to do is the same energy that is behind the violent acts in Colorado. So that's what we were looking for with the help of spirit. And so what they found was a very old, long ago, first people chief or shaman. Not is a little bit uncertain, powerful though, and that he he had been using um, energetic skills, you know, shamanic skills to keep the intruding soldiers off his people's land, which is completely understandable. And while in the act of doing this, he was killed. So he's got this powerful energetic work going, but he's unable to complete the work in a good way, bring it to an end. And so the work continues to move as these disruptive tendrils that he had been putting out, you know, tendrils of energy that he had been putting out to stop the white soldiers from continuing to move into the uh, nation of of these native peoples, that these tendrils continued then after his death because they weren't ended in a, in a good way and so they continue to grow and grow moving in the land 
and moving through people and then getting energy as the people act in the same way and, move, and then embed it even further into the land. So it keeps weaving through the people in the land, the people in the land, the people in the land, these tendrils of energy that were actually seen in the journey like hair. Um, and that at the, at the basis of this is the shared hatred and disruptive thoughts that are always present rationalizing this act of invading another people's land and and the the disharmony created in those who feel they now must defend what they believe is theirs or at least what they believe they're responsible for so with the ancestral healing technique, we identify the pattern of energy that's the problem and the hairs, the tendrils of energy that are the, prop- the, that are the way that we're visualizing the disruption continuing generation after generation after generation are untangled and cleared. So the pattern of energy itself is untangled and cleared. And then the next step in this process is to go to the source. And so... Um, when they met the source of the energy, what was interesting, because the person doing the work happened to be white, the, the chief shaman who had started the energetic work was a first person, Native American, that the, the, the ancestor who started the, what is now a problem, right, that ancestor wouldn't speak to the person doing the journeying until his Native American helping spirit stepped out to speak for him. And then the two chiefs basically spoke together. And that's where we come to understand why that energetic magic was being done, which is, again, completely understandable, and what had happened and how he had died in the midst of doing it. But then we were also able to see that what he needed for healing to complete himself so that he could cross over was needed in all the others all the other humans, native and non-native, that had been caught up in this pattern and acted um, as they were motivated by it, adding their own human energy and their own human intention and free will into it. And so it was kind of like soul retrievals for everyone. And so this huge amount of work is being done to gather this this place of soul loss uh, for each person stuck in this same pattern because the pattern – as it's, as it's coming generation and generation through people, and not just native people, but people who are on the land, the pattern then generates the same kind of soul loss. And so this is moving between people and the land and people and the land and people and the land, ancestor after ancestor after ancestor, you know, f- f- mixing the bloodlines, but affecting all the people on the land. So... Of course, the big issue is massacre and killing is a profound show of disrespect for life. And so this gets resolved. Everybody gets crossed over. The pattern gets cleared. And um, the soul retrievals need to happen. And what's important about this is after all the ancestors get crossed over and the pattern gets cleared, as the practitioner came back to the kind of the staging place that's part of this technique – the, the restoration that he normally does for an ancestral clearing was needed on, on a profound level. 
because of the, the, the work it took for this one living human who was being supported by other people, but still this one living human who generously offered their free will, their life force to allow these stuck patterns to be changed. And so it just speaks to the significance of the work and um, the importance of um, being willing to serve a process that is so much bigger than you and your paying client. It's so much bigger than this dynamic we've set up around contemporary shamanism. To be willing to engage in ancestral healing is to be willing to offer your services to the family of humanity. To be willing to, to do this form of ancestral healing is to be willing to offer your services to our non-human ancestors, to the plants, to the animals, to the land. So for those of you that want to save the wolves or save the dolphins or the whales or the mountain lions or all of these different causes, I would encourage you to learn this ancestral healing technique. Until we resolve the unresolved energy of our ancestors, even in our best intentions, we will still propagate these patterns. And this is the message that I feel is not getting through even the contemporary shamanic world where we're just cranking out more and more people who can do soul retrievals and extractions and depossessions. That what we're not thinking about is that we need people, not just shamanic healers, but people who have shamanic skills, who know how to journey well, to learn how to do this ancestral healing process, which goes hand in hand, for example, with Sandy's Medicine for the Earth. That is a great piece of work as well. In fact, these two things go hand in hand really beautifully. But until we repair, clean up this mess of our own unresolved dead, this old story propagates. And until we as shamanic practitioners wake up to how important it is to learn to do this work thoroughly and completely and safely. The other part about sharing the story I wanted you to hear is this is hard work. This is the heavy lifting of shamanism because everybody's dead. You're the only living person in the picture. It's not it when you return somebody's soul part. Like, woohoo, everybody's living, it's a party. This is about working with the dead. And it's hard work. But it needs to be done. It must be done. And so I'm really putting a shout out to all of you out there. We stuck this ancestral healing class in the middle of the country for a reason. So you could all get there. So you could fly into Boulder. We're at a beautiful retreat center. You could fly into Boulder, be in retreat for a few days, learn the ancestral healing, which is followed by learning the clearing, which go hand in hand because it's not just about giving everybody extractions and soul retrievals. It's about understanding how to unravel and disentangle emotional stuckness. And that's what the clearing practice is about. So we've got these beautiful four days set up in the middle of the country, in a beautiful retreat center, where are you? Where are those of you who are inspired to do things like save the wolves, stop the fracking, change these things that need to change? Yes, they need to change. But for them to change, 
We need to deal with our dead. It's like you cannot appreciate the power and the momentum behind these old stories held in the dead who are not yet where they belong. And you cannot appreciate doublefold the power that will come to us to set things right in the world if we can get the dead in their rightful place as ancestral helping spirits and repair that cycle, that circle of life between the ancestors and the living and the descendants and how that human piece fits into the big dream of life, the whole big dreaming of life. It's absolutely critical. And so I encourage you to go to the Last Mass Center website, download the registration form, contact Julie, and come and join us. We need to learn how to do this. If you can journey, if you're a strong journeyer, you can do this. Or if you're sort of a mediocre journeyer, but you really have a strong passion to change something going on in the world today that must change, then come. Until we learn to do this, until we can get the unresolved energy of the ancestors out of the way, we are somewhat spinning our wheels. And so I strongly encourage you to join us at the end of this month in Colorado and learn this. And if you're listening to this radio show, you know, a year later, then go to Last Mass Center to the website and find out the one place the class is being offered that year. Because it's not like I'm going to stop teaching it. But we need to be learning it now and doing it because there's thousands of years of humanity's mess to be cleaned up. There's ancestors chained together on the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean from the slave ships that went down or simply being pushed overboard because they all got sick. There's the ravages of sexism and racism and classism, religious fighting, um, cultural dogma, all these different things human beings can do when they're afraid that have stuck our ancestors here because they've lived lives that were unresolved. We can change that, but we need to know how. So I invite you to join me the end of April and learn how. Your ancestral helping spirits will rejoice. So I give thanks to my ancestral helping spirits and to yours. I give thanks to that great ancestor, the earth, and that great ancestor, the sky. And I give thanks to the hearts here in the middle that unite us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And next week, our show is going to be on cultivating emotional well-being in the heart of your shamanic life. So have a good week, everyone, and join me in Colorado.